That's a nose to start a family on, my princeling. There'd be no mistaking whose brood they were. Mughal emperors would have given their right hands for noses like that one. There are dynasties waiting inside it. And here, Ty laps into coarseness. Like snot. Do you feel it, guys? Do you feel that little tingling, that little tickling in your nose telling you something's up? That's because it's book club time, everybody. My name is Luke, and I'm joined by my three best friends in the entire world, Max, Sam, and Adam. And we are the Don't Worry, We're Smart, We've Read a Couple Book Club Bozos. So guys, what is up today? <laughs> uh, you know, I was really just enjoying this book this week, you know? Had a had a good weekend, had a lot of uh, productive things to do, and also just mixed in some little little book tidbits. Oh, baby. So <laughs> I feel pretty good. <laughs> I love I'm a little it. hung up on how Max said dynasties. Yeah, I said it different. We're all, we're all caught up on the pronunciation of names. I know, man. I crumbled <laughs> under the pressure. I was like, I'll just switch it up. Who knows? The first recording is lost <laughs> history, but this one is not. So I'll, I'll, just, go, I'll just go British real quick. The dynasties. The dynasties. <laughs> oh, is that how they say it? I think so. Cool. The aluminium on my desk. Well, <laughs> dude, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I, and I know that we've been texting about it a little bit, but I am like really fucking with this book right we now. Do. Like I'm really fucking with this book. This is through the first three chapters. This is like the most earmarked my book has ever been just from little like one liners or you know descriptions that he gives of people or places or things it just it is so good so far and honestly i can't wait to start talking about it so it is for do sure. we want to just dive in yeah or do yeah. we want to like you know catch up a little bit no let's dive in we came here with a purpose so we'll just like we've been doing for fear and loathing in las vegas i'm gonna do just a quick chapter summary a little on-the-fly chapter summary. It opens the book opens up, and uh, Salim, who is our narrator, and also at some point in the book, I'm sure will be the protagonist of the book, is essentially it, it, he's passing away. Right? I don't think he's like on his deathbed, but it's clear that he's you know this is the end of the line for him, and he's essentially writing down a bunch of things that he remembers and his whole life story. Right? And the reason that's important is because his life story is so intertwined with India's history. Um, and we start off before we even get to him at all. We start off talking about his, his granddad, Adim, I think, which honestly, when I read it, I just kept saying Adam in my head and then thinking of our beautiful, like lock locked up <laughs> boy over there. But, I don't know what uh, our guy Adam did to get that extra A in his name. And what yeah, it. seriously, <laughs> you gotta step it up. That's clear. I know I'm missing an A. Here. <laughs> yeah, dude. Adam. So, Adam. so I, I have, I have a theory about that too, but, um, so essentially like they're, they're from, their family's from Kashmir and, uh, the grandfather had gone off to Germany to study to be a doctor and comes back and he's you know, chilling in Kashmir and is talking a lot of really, really cool exposition about his life and like his experiences as a kid growing up and talking to the stinky, crazy old boatman Ty and all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, then eventually Ty comes across the lake on his little boat and he's he's got a job. He's got a job for Adam, 
Is it a Deem or is it a Dom? I think it's a Dom. Yeah, it is. It literally is just Adam with an extra A. So it's, he's got a job for a Dom, and like one of the big wealthy landowners in the area has a daughter who is sick, and they need him to check him out, check her out, and they are literally. very traditionally... Yeah, check out. <laughs> yeah, eventually, all right? Like, but at first, we got to keep it 10 out of 10. Yeah, got to keep know. it clean for the kids. Got to keep it clean. So Behind the sheet. Yeah. They're, they're a very traditionally uh, Muslim Muslim family and so they only want him to see like the very specific part of the body that is having the ailment so there's a there's literally a sheet a bed sheet that they just cut a hole into and the hole moves around different parts on her body when uh when he needs to like go and check out and like do his examination and stuff so eventually it ends up that you know the whole the whole kind of plan was over time he falls in love with the girl they end up getting married um kind of unhappily to be honest it doesn't sound like it's the best thing um and then we see another we see the first of our links in with major well i guess there's a couple links in with major historical events but specifically for india um dr aziz who is adam the grandfather uh is at he is in God, what was the city name? I'm losing my Agra mind. or something? I don't remember. Well, it, it wasn't Agra. It was the city before Agra. Um, anyway, he's in he's in a city at the time that Mahatma Gandhi calls the strike, right? Which also has a name for it, the Hartal, um, on April 7th. And the, the April 7th Hartal uh, ended up kind of turning into... There was some rioting that was going on. And then he goes and he tries to like, you know fix up some people and then there's another big meeting that's going to happen a few days later um and then there was like this big massacre but he like avoids death and then they move to their next place agra where he's still sympathetic with people who are kind of fighting for indian uh indian Re- revolution and stuff and then there's this guy who i'm sorry i'm so bad with these names i totally thought i'd be able to remember them i read this thing like a few hours ago um uh, mian abdullah <laughs> who's like a big a big revolutionary in in india and like adam meets up with him gets involved with him socially and everything uh and then the guy just gets assassinated at the end of the third chapter and his secretary is kind of like let in to uh let into the house of the doctor that they're living in and that's kind of where we're left off so let's hit let's hit up some highs and lows and then we can talk a lot about what we think stuff means and everything because this is it there feels like there's a lot to unpack even just from these first three chapters so let's go to sam first for the highs and lows he seems pretty amped up to get going yeah i'm amped oh my high is the character of padma so far she is always just kind of like getting into the story and like you could tell that it really adds to this uh, image of like the writer as the protagonist and how he has this woman in his life i'm not sure if they're married or not um but her name's definitely fuck sometimes though yeah definitely she coos in his ear a few times (laughs) but he he can't unclear if anything occurs but he tries he's yeah, she tries real hard. He does not reciprocate, it seems like, which is kind of sad. Poor Padma. Yeah. Also, poor Padma, because I guess her name is, like, a goddess that 
also has like connotations with like dung and like the dung lotus or something. <laughs> it's like it's like the the lotus god or goddess, but also is like the poop god. <laughs> oh, little double duty. <laughs> yeah, little number double two duty. actually. <laughs> yeah. So, but it does seem like that's not. It's not as a, bad a thing as it would be. In it definitely yeah, is. Exactly. It definitely is. Yeah, and and it seems also like it's very localized. So like, her parents were like, "Oh yeah, like the dumb the dumb goddess. Like everybody loves the dumb goddess." And then she moved, and then everyone's like, "Wait, like the the poop god?" Yeah. And she's like, "Yeah." And then she, <laughs> she kind of gets roasted. It seems like. Right. But I really like that she kind of pops into the story and like says things like, um, on uh, the what what page was it? I can't find the, the page number, but it was, she basically was like, that's ridiculous. Like, oh, yeah, here it is. Page 46. What nonsense, our Padma says. How can a picture talk? Stop now. You must be too tired to think. <laughs> and he goes after this, like, whole sort of, like, very symbolic sort of, like, I'm looking at this picture and I can see the interactions of the people that I used to know or, like, that um, I can tell, like, what's happening in the photo by how they're kind of, like, reacting and looking in the photo and that's speaking to me and and then padma kind of grounds us back down that's stupid (laughs) and it's kind of funny because i feel like she's almost like she's another audience member with us but like is is not about to go into the book club boys level of dissection no no she's just she's just very very surface level like that's dumb i don't like it yeah <laughs> hey keep keep telling the story dude i don't know what the hell's going on go in chronological order and i'm like thanks Papa. yeah keeping it <laughs> right <laughs> yeah so i i loved their interactions and it kind of gives the book even more of like an oral history type feel to me where he's like you know and, and the way that Salman Rushdie writes out some things, like in the first chapter when uh, Dr. Aziz is on the boat going to the landowner's house, um, and he's like, or maybe that was the second chapter, whatever. But there's like all these images happening where it's like he's kind of intertwining these like three different scenes of him on the boat and then him like taking care of his mother and then him taking care of like this girl that he's about to meet. And the way that he intertwines them and kind of interjects is just very conversational to me. It's like he's talking and then he's just like, oh, yeah, but then there was this thing. Oh, yeah, but then there was this thing. And that like totally plays into the fact that this dude is literally just as quickly as he possibly fucking can trying to write his whole life story down because he's literally crumbling. And for the record... I think that probably has something to do with him not wanting to have sex. So let's cut our boys. Yeah, that definitely. Right? That was, yeah. <laughs> like if he's literally cracking at the yeah. wrist, I can't imagine what's going on down below. Oh, well, right? like, it was, that that was, thing's about to fall off. Oh, that's what I was going to say is I just love that part that Sam's mentioned of Padma like has made advances onto him. And it wasn't super clear. Maybe you guys had a different interpretation, like what the problem exactly is. For me, it seemed like, he like is physically incapable of having sex for some reason like maybe he like just has some good old erectile dysfunction action going on or maybe there's something more magical realism related you know but like yeah i uh or or classic english class thing maybe he's gay oh that could definitely be that could definitely be but either way, I thought it was so funny that he's like, yeah, he's like crumbling and like falling apart and Padma's just trying to get some action and he's like, nah. I love how he just so casually in like a paragraph, he's like, 
oh, um, by the way, yeah, Padma's tried to fuck me, but, like, I, I basically can't. So, listen, I can't do it. <laughs> Let's get that out of the way. I cannot have sex. It's like, okay. <laughs> then it just goes back into the story. This is so funny. Yeah, dude. I, I love their whole interactions, too, because, like, like Sam said with, like, the grounding stuff, she's just such a source of comedic relief every once in a while where she just... It's literally, like, after these most, like, profound, insane paragraphs that I'm just like, oh, my God, I want to reread that, like, four times and dissect what's going on. Then out of nowhere, Padma's just like, the fuck was that? (laughs) You're on a tangent again, dude. Like, let's bring it back. I want to keep hearing stuff. (laughs) Oh, it was so good. Well, Max, do you want to hit us with, uh, with your high? Um, sure. I mean, I think, like... I might, I might just go for like a generalized high. I think for me, um, there have been a couple of books we've read in book club where like, I'll read the book, I'll read the chapters we needed to do, but then I'm, I'm like ready to be done when I'm done with them. Um, whereas this book, I was like legitimately bummed that I had to stop at the page that we agreed <laughs> upon because I was so into the way he was writing. And I think for me, the high is, is less about the actual story, which... It's definitely interesting so far, but it's more about, like, his his writing style has been, like, so captivating for me. Because I feel like he's writing in a very similar way to how I, like, talk and how I interact as a human, which is jumping around to topics. And I love all of the scenes with Padma or the scenes where he just stops and he's like, sorry to leave you on a cliffhanger, but, like, I had to go to bed, so Padma was mad at me. <laughs> and I'm like, this is nice. And... To your point earlier, Luke, I love those moments where he is telling multiple stories in, in, in like half of a page and he has to be like, oh, wait, I can't tell you that yet because it's not going to make sense. So like, let me get back to the origin story of my grandfather or this or that or this or that. And he's just setting up all of these little threads that we're going to be following. And I'm like super into the way that he's writing has just been awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just been a perfect blend of like humor the actual like linear narrative of his grandfather is 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 interesting enough that i'm like excited when he gets back into it and then the narrative of like him writing the story while dying is really interesting because he's only in his early 30s and it seems like whatever's happening to him is clearly like not (laughs) not a real life situation um and so i'm just i'm really into like how he's blending that all together to kind of keep you engaged as a reader and and like the character building on is just on display with like the main character being described in like three different timeline it's just like it's 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 nice dude it literally to me it feels like his whole writing style it's so it's very very similar to 100 years of solitude which again if you haven't read 100 years of solitude go read it it's a fucking amazing book um and and like the way that gabriel garcia marquez writes that book but interjected in there are like the roasts from chucky d yeah you know the roasts from charles dickens where he's like just these little one-liners and kind of humor like comedic things that you know 100 years of solitude had some funny things but it wasn't just like outright humorous in the way that a couple of the things that like, you know, saying that his nose is so big that he can like have an empire with his nose and like that, like there's families of snot living in his nose kind of is like 
that's like humorous. That's that's legitimately like funny. a trying to be it's, funny type of situation. Whereas like Gabby yeah, Garmar yeah, was more it, of like the outrageous. It's like oh, this is funny for us right in this moment because it's so absurd. Whereas Rushdie is like I'm writing a joke and it's like landing and I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Very very much more on the on the Charles Dickens vibe there, which I. I'm definitely messing with. I'm Dude, it's just, that. and like just the, the wittiness that he's just like out here zipping around like little connections and, and like, it's just impressive, honestly, a lot of the, a lot of the dialogue and, and listen, this will be my last little high. I know it's going on for quite a while, but the moment when the, the boatman is like coming to the grandfather, he's like cutting across the water and he's like, oh, this is the last moment of my grandfather's life that's peaceful is right now. And I was like, man, that is such a great way to describe like how life really is where it's like, you never know that could be any of us, you know? And it's like, it's just, and he describes it as like this kind of lame moment. That's like muddy. It's not very interesting. He has no idea, but this is like the last moment of peace. And I was like, Ooh, (laughs) could not believe it. Dude. And, and along with that right the moment where he says this is the last time he would leave his homeland or like Kashmir, like his home town or whatever like not the last time he would be there but the last time he would leave there right because he's like gonna come back and pass away is like those types of little moments it's like you never think about it in the moment that this is like my last time doing this thing like this particular thing but you know the sad truth of it is at some point there's going to be a last episode of the book club (laughs) and we might not know what the last episode is but that's why you you gotta tune in every week yeah nice nice rushdie would approve boys till we die yeah come on boys till we die adam you got a high for us my guy (laughs) yeah man um I'm going to do a little different than Max. I'm going to get really specific with my high um, and read this quote here. Um, I'm on page 30. This is right after a little break where Pad Padma interrupts. Um, and during that little interruption, sorry, I'm giving some context here. Uh, during that little interruption, that's when she's uh, getting upset about him with how he's writing about her name. So she, that's when she's coming in and being like, dung is actually like it's a great thing like it's fertilizer and yada yada whatever um so my head comes right after that when he's moving back to his grandfather's story and he's describing this city and he says and flies public enemy number one buzzing gaily from turd to steaming turds celebrated and cross-pollinated these freely given offerings the city swarmed about too, mirroring the motion of the flies i love that comparison between flies buzzing from turd to turd to the buzzing city um we hear just like just in media and everything we hear so many like cool metaphors and comparisons for cities and stuff like concrete jungle um i don't know what people say like cities buzz about or like you're packed in a city like sardines or something and i've never heard this metaphor and i thought it was like although a little you know grotesque i thought it was like really apt um because that's just how I feel when I'm walking through a busy city is like, we are just like buzzing around from place to place. We don't really know where we're going and just kind of blindly flying Yeah. until we find our next location. And I just love that imagery of just chaotic buzzing from turd to turd. <laughs> totally. It's like mirrored. He says like mirroring the city. Um, 
Yeah, so that was my high. Yeah, yeah dude. Nice. Yeah, that's such a good that one. Also, also, just reminded me of the Chucky e. D buzz fly thing. Wasn't there a, a bit of that in in uh, Charles Dickens? Dude, I'm not yeah, gonna lie. I there were so many of those kind of like little roasts and connections that I think the only one I can remember is the fact that one dude had hair so sharp that if you tried to play hopscotch, he'd impale like your ass. <laughs> <laughs> like I think that's the <laughs> only one that stuck with me. I I, it does definitely rings a bit of a bell. Um, the flies thing. And just being attracted yeah. to like shit and blood and like just garbage and stuff, I feel like. <laughs> it's it's a prime prime metaphor. Uh, yeah. Fodder. yeah um i was actually reminded after that quote that you read adam um lower down on the page where it starts going into this sort of like film description of like what's going oh, on that was so good yeah i was wondering what you guys so thought about that wait i'm sorry that was so cool he's like where he says basically like, like up oh this. we're in bombay bombay like bollywood we gotta like do some film action here. oh He's, like, yeah literally painting the scene of like you know this close-up of the hand and then like wide shot of the room and they're doing the it was so cool yeah dude it was almost like a, a movie also, man, like reading it as if you are like a director and i was like man he really like just slips that in there and as you're reading and he's like He's just, you forget about it, then he's like, boom, wide shot. And your brain just automatically is like, oh, and you're just like, oh, now we just got bamboozled by a writer, bro? Come on. <laughs> yeah, dude, that was so good. And it, if I can just cut in for a sec, higher up on the page, like on the page before Adam's quote, the whole, after he like, after Padma is like, dude, Dung is actually pretty cool. The whole like, poem about dung that he wrote so the funny. whole like yeah. praising oh, yeah. of dung is so purveyor funny. of dung yeah. <laughs> yeah. dung that fertilizes the causes the crops to grow dung which is padded into thin chapati like cakes when still fresh and moist and is sold to the village builders like just the absurdity of it all and just like how he's just so making fun of her and her like connection to the literal <laughs> shit that's just it was one of those moments that was like so purely comedic that we were talking about when max was doing his thing yeah i also remember in the article that i read that was like the um reception the, or the criticism from the new york times um he, he, the author of that article mentioned something about like oh yeah he talks about poop a lot <laughs> like how is this gonna work in the book <laughs> that, so that, that quote that Adam Red was just like very perfect and just sort of like, oh, so that's how it'll work. Yeah. Yeah. Like super <laughs> oh, well. I get it now. Okay. <laughs> Sweet. That's awesome. Poop fits in seamlessly. It's everyday life, dude. It's everyday life. <laughs> well, I guess I'll hop in with my high and uh, just gonna. Oh, did you hear oh that? Oh, my gosh. That was, that was me opening up a little can of some nice lime water. Oh, because, baby. Oh. I don't know. It just I just like lime water. Dude. I thought, like, thought you were gonna make water. something to do with like the uh, the jugs in the in the book. Yeah, come or on. Is, like... that, is that the joke? Well, no. My high, my high actually has nothing to do with lime water. I've just kind of been. I, I wanted to do that as a bit, and it's been sitting on my desk, and I'm actually really thirsty from talking. <laughs> and so I just I just said fuck it. Just, now's the time. And now yeah, now's the time. So my high and. Again, because I just haven't talked enough about 
Gabriel Garcia Marquez, 100 Years of Solitude, in the course of this podcast. Um, <laughs> it's it, the whole opening of the book where he's actually talking about his grandfather and how his grandfather like is gets up 4.45 in the morning, goes out to pray, and goes down and gets hit in the nose <laughs> by just like one of those grass tufts <laughs> and then he gets a bloody nose and he starts crying and just decides okay i'm not bound to any i love it dude it. i love it that's oh. a sign like like apart from apart from the kind of absurdity of the situation right where it's this dude who we then find out has this massive fucking schlong on his nose yeah. like just this massive is the eggplant just it's like squidward yeah <laughs> it's <laughs> just squidward. yeah it's squidward it's flopping around right the the part from the visual of him like bowing down and like conking himself on this little like you know piece of earth frozen earth because it's like the winter time and then just being like fuck this i'm done right the whole description of that whole sequence and making something that's kind of so like other authors might have just made that like a three sentence four sentence and by other authors i mean me if i was writing the book it probably <laughs> would have been like four sentences right but he literally just expands on it and the description that he puts into it is so insanely crazy and cool and then i feel like from there it just kind of like continually the scope just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger in a way that is similar to 100 years of solitude where you start off in this very small village and then suddenly like it's like the story of it opening up to the world and then like people are fighting in wars and the u.s is coming and just all this different like crazy stuff gets involved and it all kind of stems from this one like max was saying this like last moment of peace in this mundane kind of moment that i just think is so fucking cool and it was so well written that i just like literally page two of the book i'm just like hooked yeah right so that was super cool and then the other thing that i wanted to say just super quick one-liner that i really liked was when he was talking in like to his german friends when they were in school and stuff and he said this is this is like while he's praying he's thinking about all these people and this this line just heidelberg in which along with medicine and politics he learned that india like radium had been discovered by europeans yeah right mm -hmm. and i just thought that that was like such an insanely good way to put like colonization for sure and everything where it's just like dude we discovered this whole new world and it's like actually we've been around doing our thing way longer than you have sure. like who the fuck are you mm -hmm. yeah so i just really liked that i thought that was sick and i just wanted to bring that up yeah it reminds me of um this other one that i really liked where he says the hummingbird a creature which would be impossible if it did not exist yeah mm -hmm. it's just like the way he phrases those kinds of things it's just like so poetic and it just makes you think about it a little bit differently than you normally do yeah, yeah. just the way that he like come the angles he comes at things from are so impressive. Uh, to your point, Luke, I'm I'll try not to pile on in exactly the same way you did, but like, I totally agree with you. That first description from the moment he hits his nose on the ground to the moment he meets the girl and his life sort of completely changes, like, was one of the most impressive couple of pages I'd read probably ever as far as like, there's so much packed into that. And I love all the things he's, 
making a commentary on. Like, I love the idea of cause and effect being something that, like, the scale of the cause and the effect can be anything. Like, something as small as bonking your nose when you're in a bad mood about praying leads to him literally throwing out religion entirely and, like, going down this entirely different life path. And it's all because of, like, where he put his little mat on the grass and how he was feeling in the moment. And, like, I love how he talks about, you know, he does the first bit about what happens and then he, he circles back and he describes his thought process like as he's praying and he's like, man, I don't really believe in this shit anymore. I feel kind of like a fraud. My friends are like, think I'm lame as hell. And then he bonks his nose and he's like, yeah, fuck this. I'm out. I'm done. And I loved the part where he's like, the tears like turn into diamonds on his lashes and the blood turns into rubies in the cold air. And to me, I read that as like the majesty and the, the ornamental nature of religion and the framework that it provides in his life is being like thrown away. And he's left with like a much more raw life. <laughs> like the diamonds and the rubies and the, the, the frills of life are gone now that he doesn't have the religious framework. And when he says, um, he was knocked forever into that middle place, unable to worship a god in whose existence he could not wholly disbelieve. Permanent alteration, a whole. And I was like, ooh. And then earlier he says that he ends up filling that hole with women. And then he describes how, like, he basically falls in love with this girl in, like, little pieces rather than her as a whole. And then, of course, like Luke said, you know, their marriage sucks and it's not a good match. And I was like, man... That was such a great way to describe the kind of impact something like that can have on someone's life and like how many little decisions it can affect and what those can end up being. And all of it happens, yeah, in the first 15 pages. It's crazy. Yeah. So there's like a lot I want to unpack from what you said and like starting off with the, with the diamonds and rubies, like from his, his bloody nose and his tears. Um, that's mirrored when Isla comes and visits him from Germany, right? Because when she's talking about Oscar and everything, it's there was another moment, and I, and I haven't found the page exactly or the, have the exact quote, excuse me, but something was said about, like, the diamonds from her eyes yeah. falling out. Yeah. And, and then that was right before she committed suicide in the place in the lake that foreign women go to die that Ty talked about before. So it's like almost mirrored in a way that you know that's what took her life kind of like is her losing losing faith in maybe what she believed in because of seeing her friend die and yeah. then she came down to tell her other friend about it and then it just like things weren't the same or like obviously i think that there's we could probably talk about that whole scene for like an hour so i'll, I'll move on from there <laughs> um and just like the whole the whole him falling in love with uh, his future wife in pieces and not on the whole like first of all what an what, just what a crazy thing to like think of and to like the way to like describe it right and then at the same time the symbolism for you know everything can be right and awesome about somebody but like literally one thing can kind of break it for you right and in reality, the thing that broke it was they were incompatible with, like, religious beliefs, which ultimately comes back to, again, the little tuft of grass that he bonks his nose on, right? 
so it's just all so interconnected and there's so many like different lines and they're all they all feel really significant to me so i just want to like talk about all of them you know totally yeah i think also what i like about the whole uh the whole whole thing (laughs) he's really making like a lot of puns in that way too is like you see the through the whole you don't get like the whole person sure <laughs> like wh hole is not the same as the h h-o-l-e hole yeah <laughs> yeah and um and also just kind of like the falling aspect through holes as well like you fall into nice holes and through holes and like that i found the page that you were talking about where um elise ils elise elise Ilsa or something like that yeah elsa anyway <laughs> I think it's page 26, and it says um, <laughs> that, like, eyelashes dro- uh, drooped in the hole. And I was like, it's just, like, in the middle of a, of a quote, which is also something that he does a lot, which is kind of, like, that leads to that conversational aspect where it's, like, in the middle of someone else in the story saying something, he says something. Like, yeah. Not like yeah. they they explained or like they shouted. It, it's like completely separate and just kind of like its um, own thing. Yeah, it separates it and it has like these little nuggets that are in there. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I did find the actual quote I was referring to. It is on page twenty six, and it's the um, here there were diamonds freezing in her lashes mm-hmm. after she had told the story about how Oscar, the anarchist friend was yelling at all those soldiers and then like tripped on his untied shoelace lace fell into the street and got hit by a car right (laughs) and like and then just like the next thing we hear about her is her literally just like on the boat with stinky tie and then he just looks back and then she's not there anymore you know (laughs) yeah so Mm -hmm. just just crazy um oh i also wanted to point out um the part where it's the beginning of hit the spittoon chapter and he's yep. talking um about his body disintegrating and i i highlighted it because i wanted to look it up during the podcast that i did and he's like I'll, i shall eventually crumble into approximately 630 million particles of anonymous and necessarily oblivious dust and yep. i looked up the population of india in 1981 and that's like how many people live there and i was like nice that's what I thought, nice. that he's, like, yeah. slowly turning <laughs> yeah. into all of India and, like, anonymous dust of, like, each individual person. is like, nice. a speck of dust that makes up what is the entity of India, which I thought was really cool. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's so cool. Just, like, everything, man. I'm, I'm just, I'm just digging everything about it. <laughs> it um, really keeps you on thing. your toes. You're like, wait, what is that? Yeah. Especially because we aren't, like, that familiar with that time period in Indian history either, and you're like... So wait, what is this? Yeah, what? yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. Like I looked up that like Mian Abdullah guy just to see if he was real. He's not real, for the record, okay. so everybody knows. Um, and and I and that also means the whole assassination story and the dogs to throw like oh, two hundred thousand yeah. dogs in the city running into it to kill his assassins. That was is real, so funny. Is, you know, 
Just that's, a little disappointing. Yeah, that's such a magical <laughs> realism thing where it's yeah. like he's just humming all the time like an engine or something, yeah. and, and then, then like, like he hums so loud when he's getting killed that like all these thoughts burst through. <laughs> no. and, and, then, and then he like burst. and then he says and then he says after he writes it, he's just like, yeah, just look it up. Like you don't believe me? Look it up, dude. <laughs> or or how his humming just like gives dudes boners, so like everybody feels bad for his like assistant because he always has a boner when he's. Working with him. <laughs> so yeah, his teeth hurt from the low humming, and then he gets a boner yeah. from like high pitched yeah. humming. I also love that scene where he's hiding in the corn, and then like the little boy comes through, <laughs> pretending to be like a cowboy or something. Yeah. And they like both scare each other, like, oh, oh, and then, like run away. <laughs> I also love this is like kind of briefly mentioned, but they talk about Sam. You just reminded me of this. They talk about making a cowboy movie, but it takes place like in India. So I'm just like imagining <laughs> this like Eastern take on a Western uh, yeah. movie. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I really want to see it. <laughs> yeah, dude. I was gonna ask you guys. Dude. This is a little bit of a um. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the quote. Padma laughs. No wonder he was so popular with the men. Nadir Khan, as his secretary, was attacked constantly by his master's vibratory quirk. And his ears, jaw, penis were forever behaving according to the dictates of the hummingbird. It's like so funny. <laughs> but I just wanted to um, ask you guys, like, Monica's reading reading this book with us as well. And she's, like, reading up to where we are. So she's in the same spot. And we were talking earlier. Um, but what, what exactly happens with Ty, the boatman, and his friend? Because, like, he says it's a suicide, but it's kind of like feels like he could have killed her a little bit and then also what do you think like ty represents because he's clearly like a supernatural being to some extent i mean he's mm -hmm. lived for a like, really long time what did you, what did you what was your guys' whole like take on that that little part of the book yeah i so to start i think it was legitimately a suicide um I do, I do see where you're coming from, and there is that like ambiguity there where we aren't really sure. But I feel like, literary, literary wise, it would make more sense and be like more poetic if it was a suicide, which is like obviously kind of a crazy thing to actually like put into a sentence. But um, <laughs> as far as Ty himself, I feel like Ty just is supposed to represent the like the old guard and the old way of doing things and how it's rubbing up against the like newly kind of globalizing world of you know somebody from this small town in this one region of india is able to go to germany to learn about medicine yeah. and then bring that knowledge back and then it's like forever he's kind of you know in the eyes of thai he's kind of stained by all this like outside culture and especially with the like connotation of what europeans had done in india over the past like 300 years with like the british and dutch east india companies and then like you know colonialism with britain like taking over india and everything like i think that there's he just kind of represents the old the old way of doing things the old guard and then i think the way that the way he passed away i think reinforces that right because he was he, the way he died, he was getting in between people during the, like, partition of India, right? When they were splitting it up so. into Pakistan and stuff. And I think that that's kind of a symbol for, 
you know, the old way, the old India, it like doesn't exist anymore after it's been chopped up after we sure. after they like gained independence and then it got like chopped up. It's just it's different now. Yeah. Yeah. I, think... I don't think that he killed her. Just to bring it back to that, but I, I I definitely agree with you, Luke, that he represents this like old India. Like he was telling um Adam like old old ancient stories of India, like he definitely had like that this distaste for him after he came back from germany and was a doctor and like was putting western medicine on them um yeah i think because doesn't he doesn't the woman die and then he immediately becomes really sick and that's when he like starts to stink and everything yeah i I think yeah basically i was i was thinking it was like directly after that and i thought that it was like he became so sick with guilt or something like that after Mm -hmm. his death so i think he feels responsible but i don't think he like actually did it yeah, I would agree. I think that it was more of like he uh, hated Adam or like Dr. Aziz and like kind of knew that she was his friend and then she went overboard and he was kind of like, oh, oh no. Yeah, that's she's going to drown. That's how I <laughs> like he didn't help her. And then that also, I think uh, that's a good point, Adam, is that he, he does feel guilty at the end about that. Like he didn't really have any grudge against her. He only had a grudge against the doctor. So like. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. But I, yeah, I, I don't think he directly, like, murdered yeah. her. I kind of, like, oh, my backup recording device just died. Um, <laughs> flying by the seat of our pants, boys. No. We, uh, All risk. Um, it's the only way I What I kind of thought of with the, the whole stinky, the stinky tie part was I, I kind of thought it was, like, <laughs> his rejection of, of the Western world was, like, to just, to just basically go against everything they were into so like the doctor was into cleanliness and health and stuff so ty was like i'm done bathing i'm, I'm gonna be like this a rancid little monster man and i felt like that kind of represented <laughs> the, the the clash of colonialism where the nation colonizing sees everybody as like disgusting backwater idiot people that need to be civilized and those people in response to that like grab harder to their traditions and like almost almost like you know sink their roots deeper into their own cultural history and i feel like maybe that's what ty was doing was like he like he in an attempt to piss off the doctor he was like i'm going full stinky boy but also like i'm just gonna get even more mad and even more set in like the traditional ways than i was otherwise because like fuck you so I I think that's a super good way of putting it because, you know, something something throughout my collegiate studies. Whoa, that been, whoa, busted that out. We've, <laughs> yeah, 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 that we've been that we've been talking about a lot is like there's been a transition from kind of imperialism and colonialism being simply just trying to get land and resources to being like a kind of cultural colonialism and imperialism, and that's something that americans and like u.s society kind of does now is like yes there's a bunch of like armed conflicts that we're in and we do a lot of fucked up stuff that way but like the cultural dominance and the economic dominance that the u.s can exert is in a way a really big form of colonialism and like imperialism and like really dominates the world scene and this can kind of be seen as a little bit of that happening right because it's western culture seeping into this place that might not even necessarily want it 
but it's still like kind of getting its roots in there and then it's going to start changing things slowly. So I think that was really well put. And then the other thing I wanted to say is um, I think that the doctor and Ty's relationship is super interesting and it's also like really tragic because to me what's happening is the younger generation is like trying to engage with these like Western ideals and like learn about this broader world and then they come back and then the people that they were friends with, like, like, and obviously, like, Ty and Adam's friendship was, like, not a traditional friendship, right? Because they're very different ages and everything. But, um, but like, the friendship that he held with Ty was forever tainted when he came back. And it's really tragic in a way because it's, like, this young guy who really still wants to be involved in his homeland and involved in like learning and like having these relationships with his with his home but then his home is in a way like rejecting him because he's had these experiences in the greater world uh and that he's like forever tainted by that sure and then that in turn is like at least to me that the breakdown of that relationship really fed also into this whole decision of um of Adam to like you know relinquish his home and then go elsewhere right because he lost that connection to his homeland and then that kind of made him lose his other connections and also like Ty's Ty's stinkiness literally resulted in the death of both of Adam's parents too right because Ty was so smelly (laughs) that he drove the birds off and then the birds were the only thing that his father had when his after he had his stroke right and so then his father passed away and then his mother passed away within like a 40-day mourning period as if she just wanted to like go follow him like her work my man literally too stinky to survive to keep others alive (laughs) yeah he literally like that's that's fucking region also our, our boy adam has a very sensitive nose right? oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he does oh that's yeah. true it's like half his body Dude, i'm loving weight, like so. i'm loving the symbolism of like the nose man and like so just funny. the descriptions of the nose and then like how have you okay i'm sorry i, I gotta bring this up before i forget the brass monkey i know bro this, <laughs> this better not be like a big some... mama situation or i'm out yeah this Dude, we need to I, get some info so about the brass monkey if we don't hear about the fucking brass monkey, he says monkey, it like it's one of his riot. siblings or something. He's like, "Oh, and of course the brass monkey was there." And I'm like, "What do you mean, of course the fucking <laughs> yeah. brass monkey was?" You're like, "What the fuck?" I thought is it was that? a Beastie Boys reference. <laughs> yeah, that'd be so funny if that's all it was. <laughs> something tells me the timing doesn't work out exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's magical realism. Yeah, listen. Don't, don't oh, true, yeah. true, true. Yeah, that's my bad. <laughs> um. <laughs> I was just thinking about one other thing that would relate more to Sam and Luke from 100 Years, which is like... Hey, I read 100 Oh, you might know that. I can't remember where... <laughs> Let's go. I can't remember even the character's name, to be honest. But it's, it's such a similar situation where it's like a beautiful young woman who marries a man, and then when she gets older, she gets like super shitty and like super oh, yeah. religious and super mean to everyone. And... It's Amaranta, yeah, isn't it? Maybe. Yeah, it is Amaranta. Which one? And this is exactly she the oldest happen. one. She doesn't actually get married, but she like rejects Pietro. Yeah, I'm yeah, that's sure. exactly. But this is exactly what yeah. happens to the Reverend Mother as she becomes known. And man, he has some great quotes about her. 
One of them being that she lived within an invisible fortress of her own making, an ironclad citadel of traditions and certainties, which was nice. Mm -hmm. But my favorite description, I think, so far in the book was when he's describing how she says, what's its name all the time, when she can't remember what something is called. And he says, I don't know how my grandmother came to adopt the term, what's its name, as as her late motif, but as the years passed, it invaded her sentences more and more often. I like to think of it as an unconscious cry for help, as a seriously meant question. (laughs) Reverend Mother was giving us a hint that, for all her presence and bulk, she was adrift in the universe. She didn't, you know, she didn't know, you see, what it was called. (laughs) I was like, that is so (laughs) great, dude. I I forgot about that. That was one of my favorite parts, actually. And then there were some times where, like, later on, they're using it. And sometimes it's very clear what she's referring to, and then other times you just have no idea what she's talking about. She calls it a what's-its-name, and you're just like, all right, I guess we're just not going to know. Yeah, Yeah. it's like a tick almost, dude. It's like her way of saying um sometimes. Yeah, Yeah, totally. But man, you can... I also really liked, um, Max, that you mentioned the fortress quote. I thought you were going to say this this quote afterwards, where um, she basically refuses to feed her husband because (laughs) (laughs) it's like a punishment. Um, but then, but then it, in setting that whole thing up, he says, um, that like she ruled the dinner table and like the kitchen where like her domain and, um, how like even when her husband, yeah, it says even when her husband was afflicted by constipation, she never once permitted him to choose his food and listen to no, <laughs> to no requests or words of advice. A fortress may not move, not even when its dependence movements become irregular. That was so good. <laughs> I was like, boy, the fortress doesn't move, just like your balls. so funny. <laughs> oh my god. Dude, like, that was that so funny. And then just the standoff between them, too. I love how the yeah, whole town dying. knows. Oh yeah, where he stops. They're like, man, he's literally he's like willing alive. to die. After his wife tried to starve him out. Such an old couple thing. They're just like, well, I'm not gonna feed you. Well, I'm not gonna. Feed you. <laughs> and then everyone's like, "Guys, you really are just like straight up killing each other." So funny. <laughs> oh man. Well, boys, do you have uh, do you have any other portions of the book that you want to delve into before we assign some more reading? I feel good. I don't think so. I had one quote. I was just gonna super short read that I thought we could all appreciate. When he's he's talking about Nadir Khan. And he's like, how did he get across town that night without getting caught by any dogs or any policemen or anything? And he says that he, I put it down to his being a bad poet and as such a born survivor. <laughs> I was like, nice. Yeah, I, I marked that one too. That was so, so funny. <laughs> and how he's just kind of like so meek that everybody doesn't think he's up to no good. Yeah, just for like, sure. Hey, sorry. Like, like it's a, he said something about his body language, like saying he's sorry. <laughs> Like running away. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. It's like, sorry guys, hey, I'm running so, for my life. But it's like uh, Michael Sarah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was so good. I guess one thing I one other thing I wanted to bring up looking through is just talking a little bit more about the assassination of uh of Mian Abdullah. Mm-hmm. And just like the way that he was humming that he had never hummed before. <laughs> And then how the the knife blades, like his skin got so hard that the knife blades were like dulling themselves yeah. as they were trying to like kill him. Mm-hmm. And like at one point, one of them broke on one of his ribs and yeah. stuff. 
and then that that's what gave time for this like literally like let me see like six thousand four hundred and twenty dogs to come rushing into his aid which has to be a symbol for something but i have no idea what the fuck it is yeah i love how he specifies that like it wasn't all the dogs and that like quite a few of them were predisposed so like there were a yeah. couple thousand that did not show up but the rest did yep. Yeah. Well, that's that's what that's part of the thing that like makes me think that it has to be like some historical like an analogy for some historical event, yeah. right? Mm. But um, oh, along with that, just on the historical event thing, we should mention we had our like the the very first historical event that happened in these chapters, like the link up was the end of World War One and him seeing uh, the girl's face through the sheet. And that was like the first link up. And then there was also the link ups we already mentioned about him in the town. But I'm just going to try every week to kind of keep a running tally of what I know is like historical link ups, just because I know that they're supposed to be so important and that we'll need to like talk about them later. So, right. Just be all warned. Of, all of the Forrest Gumpisms. Forrest all the Forrest Gumpisms. Gumpisms. Yeah. Yeah. He totally copied. To he totally copied a movie that came out like decades after he wrote yeah, this book. Too. Let's report him. <laughs> <laughs> one day well, i was riding in a boat and he had refused to shower for five <laughs> years he was so smelly he killed my dad <laughs> oh, how casual that was he's like yeah both my parents died but like i was finally free to just go just go get some of that get some of that ass from the fucking <laughs> get some of get some of that one butt cheek that I've seen. i love one blushing butt cheek what is he he said he calls it the celestial celestial rump <laughs> one perfect buttock was stuck through the thing wait let me just like stuck through like it's just bulging out of the hole dude i thought it was so here it and there in the sheet weakening the eyes of adamaziz hung a superbly rounded and impossible buttock (laughs) so i just love like weakening his eyes he's like oh my god this is so funny dude and then when he says it blushes and everything (laughs) also when he when he's talking about like checking the lump on her boob too it's just like the funniest thing he asked to touch and the dad's like well of course (laughs) (laughs) he slaps him on the back hell yeah (laughs) yeah i love that (laughs) this blind father (laughs) so funny uh all right well Let's let's get into reading assignment for next week. For next week, we're going to read the next three chapters, as long as that felt good for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and those three chapters are Under the Carpet, A Public Announcement, and Many-Headed Monsters. So you'll stop when you see <laughs> meth wall. My kind of instruction. Stop. Yeah, stop when you see it. always confused me. I just want to know three chapters. <laughs> it's not just too three hard, chapters. Bro. Just two just read the three chapters. Just read the three chapters. <laughs> and then we're actually like 
then we're only a few pages away from finishing out book one really which is oh i didn't realize it super was... cool because there's three books in this in this one three book books that, in the yeah. world. I know. lord of the rings baby that's three just, for the price of one that's just another dipsy doodle that our boy salman pulled yeah up. That, <laughs> a tried and true it's... dipsy doodle and on that note thank you so much for tuning in to the book club boys we'll see you next goodbye week. Bye. Peace out. Ah, oh, fade <laughs>